Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things. Hey, 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 welcome Mind Body Business Podcast listeners. I'm Devo here with Lisa. We're back in the fold doing a live recording with Ashley Graham. Ashley is the conscious publicist. We're going to find out exactly what that means. But in essence, she is a PR and media strategist, and she runs an agency that works with conscious creators. So I'm going to find out a little bit about what that means. She's on a mission to how do I say this, to create a more holistic, cohesive, and heart-centered approach to branding. I like that idea. It sounds good. And and sort of the whole idea around business development, we're going to really kind of dive into what that means for her. But one of the things that really struck me about Ashley, I've had a couple of conversations with her. She has a couple of mottos that she sort of runs by. Um, and one of them is, for good things to come your way, you need to believe that you deserve them. So I want to talk a little bit about that word belief, because interestingly enough, that might just be my word of the year for 2022, Ashley. Um, I love this one. The elevators to success is out of order. You might just have to use the stairs one at a time. That's pretty intense. Depends on how many stairs you're talking about. I might take you up on that offer. And then the final one that she talked about was you cannot reach your highest potential by playing it safe. And we all know that there is no such thing as as success without the failures. And in order to have those failures, you might have to take some risks. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. So welcome, Ashley, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you both for having me. I'm very excited to have this conversation. I think we're going to dive into a lot of good things. The rabbit hole, right? Yep. I love it. <laughs> so before we jump into our our conversation, I just came from a photo shoot. Thankful for all the amazing people I get to work for. But I was struck with the fact that how grateful I am that I own my own business and can do whatever it is that I want to do. Because these people, I was shooting in a commercial job this morning, and they're all sort of in these tiny little cubicles. I, I thought at any point someone was going to slit their wrist. And um, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm so grateful for what I do. <laughs> so anyway, I tried to brighten up their day and give them some fun. Um, I think it was well-received, but they might be talking shit about me right now as I'm no longer there. But nonetheless, um, they're like, we're all entrepreneurs. Take me with you. <laughs> yeah, we're all entrepreneurs. We're in a safe place. I, I feel comfortable I can say this. And I, think, I think when Dallas was running our numbers, we ran that survey. I think 90% of our listeners are sort of small business entrepreneurs. So good audience here. Mm-hmm. All right. But I think we've all kind of played that game where, you know, you start working in some sort of corporate job and then you get out. Yep. As fast as you can. No, <laughs> no we, we all have our fit somewhere, right? Yeah, it's not to knock. Again, I'm not yeah. denigrating anything that they do. I'm sure that their role is saving saving the planet in some way, shape, or form. But nonetheless, every single one of them were just like uh, looking at their watches and, oh, taking smoke breaks and going to lunch. I'm just like, fuck, I remember those days because I did that once before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. So how does someone become, where I'm going with this, is how does someone become self-aware and conscious enough to take a look at their life and say, you know what, this is not what mom and dad had in mind for me. This sure as hell wasn't, wasn't what I envisioned when I was running around playing games in my head as a, as a teenager or even a younger kid. I never thought that I was going to grow up and sit in a cubicle and punch a keyboard for eight hours a day and then go home and potentially commit suicide. How does someone become conscious enough and self-aware enough to be like, you know what? I do want to start that business. I do want to get that patent that I've been thinking about. I do have that invention that I want to work on. How does somebody reach that point? What is that journey and why, why is it so different for everyone? Yeah. Um, the path to self-discovery is a windy, twisty journey, journey and everybody's journey is very different. And I think one of the big key identifiers to recognize that you can make a significant shift in your life is really sitting with the emotions that come up when you are in environments that don't really feel aligned for you. 
And those types of emotions could be good emotions. They could be comfortable emotions, but they can also be kind of those nagging motion, emotions in the back of your mind that it's like, I can keep showing up in this environment Monday through Friday, even more, do my best, succeed, thrive. But there is this huge question mark in the top of my mind being there is so much more to explore. And I think, again, there's an emotion of curiosity. There's an emotion of exploration and just natural, maybe courage that kind of comes with that. And that I think is an, a key identifier that it's like, hmm, okay, there is something more. And I think that's worth exploring. Do you, do you think that when you have people come to you, are they usually ready to, to launch, to blast off? Or is there a period where you're helping them to ramp up? Yeah. So primarily what I do outside of like my, my branding background is it's heavily in the thought leadership space where it's using vulnerabilities to show up publicly. So definitely on the PR side, publicity, and I get clients and prospective clients on both sides of the spectrum. They know that they have a story. They know they have a message they want to share. They know they have a voice to express, but they haven't really gotten to that place of certainty that I know for a fact I'm ready for that story or that message to be heard. Whereas on the other side of the spectrum, you do have the, the clients and the thought leaders who are so confident in that voice and are so ready to hit the ground running to be like, this is what I want to be known for. This is what I want to put out there. And here's the impact that I want to make. So I think somebody in my position I can work with either one of those types of people on either side of the spectrum. But again, you do have kind of split uh, percentages of who's ready to kind of show up and create. And those are maybe kind of in the early stages of understanding their journey when it comes to public expression. So I want to go back to my the outset of my conversation. So you people, we all have these little voices in the back of our heads that that our intuition is using to, to communicate with us. But a lot of times we don't listen to it. Probably a good majority of our lives. We don't listen to it. How can, how can we sort of become, and you talk about on your website, you know, you can't play it safe. You have to take risks in order to have any sort of volatility on this planet and in your life. How does somebody learn to listen to their intuition a little bit better? I really want to kind of get into that because I, it's something that I sort of work with on a daily basis and try to figure out, but I'll, I'll have these thoughts that pop into my head. And then I start pragmatically analyzing everything. Like what if it was this, or what if the voice was trying to tell me this and the little red guy and the little black guy are over here, like bitch slapping each other. I never really quite understand which one I'm supposed to follow. So how does, how do you hone in on that a little bit better? Oh, um, actually we were briefly talking about morning routines. And so I'll kind of maybe lead in with that. And this is again, just kind of my flow and my process of how I discover my own voice and what I want to share is I have my little quirks and the things that really light me up, the things that make me feel secure and things that naturally evoke natural introspection for me. And a lot of that is journaling, meditating. I light incense just because I am a very sensory person as well. And so I usually have different modalities to kind of touch upon every single one of my senses to kind of bring this collective consciousness to the forefront for myself and really understanding the voice that I want to share. So that voice, when you first started going down this pathway of your own self-discovery, what were some of those early struggles of, of listening to your intuition for you? Yeah. Oh, my, the question that always came up, came up for me and it kind of still creeps in every now and then is, well, who am I to be this person? Who am I to take on this role? Who am I to become this visionary? Who am I to become this speaker on a topic? And I think others who are in that conscious creation space, that is a question that they often ask themselves as well. It's our, as the book, The Untethered Soul says, it's our inner roommate, which is a voice that we know all too well, but it's our voice, but it's the limiting belief part of our voice and not the conscious voice that I think we all have, which is, I am this person to take on this role because I'm questioning it. Can you, can you go into a little bit in more detail of your morning routine and then the, 
the way that that flows with your clients, like, are they, are they open to that? Do you request, here's some things that I want you to start with and it's going to bring that flow to you and up level you, or is it just, you let them do what they need to do? Yeah. I, there, there are some clients that I will kind of talk about just the natural quirks that us and leadership positions, we kind of naturally ebb and flow through. We don't really dive too much into what our morning routines are. This is definitely where I come to the screen or on my social media or blog articles to talk about what I do to stay connected to myself and my mission and my purpose. But again, my, my morning routine is I always try to make it a point to get up as early as I possibly can. If I know that maybe on some mornings I need to give myself more rest, I do take that as a sign that my mental health, my well-being, my physical health might need a little bit more rest in those moments. So I listen to that. And then from there, I dedicate about an hour and a half to making coffee, sitting with meditation, and then I journal through what the experience is. And I'm big on writing intentions as well. And I kind of factor that into my journaling routine just because it's kind of, again, setting the precedence of how I want the natural flow of the day to go. And then I just kind of take it from there. I think talking about others, again, who are wanting to be in positions of creation, especially reading all the articles of how to be a successful entrepreneur or make seven, seven figures a year, you have to be so structured and time blocked and you know, diligent in your, your routine every single day. And I don't really subscribe to that way of thinking just because I think everybody really does ebb and flow differently. And so I just use that as a reminder for myself, as well as relay that over to my clients that you can have the things that light you up without feeling like you overly have to be so structured in your processes. You talk a lot about the types of clients that you work for, that you work with, these conscious clients. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, so... How does one know if they're conscious or not? <laughs> How do I know if I qualify for your services? Well, again, like from the, the PR side, is it's really identifying exactly what their story and their message is that's going to be on the receiving end of whatever media medium that we decide to explore. But the consciousness that I believe that lives within the brand and the business is also the consciousness that I believe is going to live in that message in the media once it's picked up. And conscious media to me or conscious PR, just consciousness in business is, again, you're not overly emphasizing, hey, we're a seven, you know, thousand or what is it, seven figure a year business, and here's all the successes that we have, that isn't necessarily conscious. It's great. It's definitely clickbait worthy. But the consciousness is talking about, you know, here's the, the seven modalities that we've worked on to overcome burnout. It's the same title. It's the same premises that the leader who's being interviewed in that piece is a seven-figure business owner, is an entrepreneur, but the message that they're putting out there is like, hey, in order to reach success, there is some burnout that's going to be experienced, but here's how you overcome it and still kind of sit within yourself to move through that journey of success in that piece. A lot of the, a lot of the lexicon I hear you say sounds a lot like law of attraction type stuff. Yep. So I'm assuming that's kind of your, your inspiration. One of the things I think I struggle with with the law of attraction is this whole concept around fake it till you make it. Because if you're faking it till you're making it, it almost sounds narcissistic to me. It sort of rubs that edge, right? It almost sounds braggadocious. It almost sort of rubs that edge. But then at the same time, you know, you, you, you read all these books and I'm, I, I, read all, I read everything, literally everything. And you know, one of the pieces that, you know, Napoleon Hill talks about or all the other people, Dwayne Dyer, all the people who are sort of kind of centrifugal figures in that space is that you, you have to sort of fake it till you make it so that you're, you can basically trick your subconscious into believing that. But how do you run that fine line between being self-aware, conscious, and not being a narcissistic prick? That's kind of where I always struggle with. Like, you don't want to go around bragging about all the things you have to everybody, so what is that fine distinction? I don't even know where to start with that one. <laughs> dive in, rabbit hole this. Because this is honestly, it's a, it's a real question that I ask other people who are sort of like wondering the same thing about this whole law of attraction. Yeah. 
Well, again, the fake it, men- fake it until you make it mentality is like you're over trying to compensate what you want others' opinions and viewpoints to be about you. Whereas if you really, again, sit with your introspection and have this consciousness, conscious connection with your thoughts and just your emotions and how you're connected as a, a human being, you don't necessarily always need the external validation because you're getting the internal validation to yourself. And I guess some of just the practices that I think I've used that tie into law of attraction, but then also being like, you know, here's how I'm giving myself that internal validation is working with affirmations. And again, we, we have to identify our internal worth before anybody on the receiving end is going to be even able to like recognize that. Let me know if I'm on a good track with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I, okay. I, I think the key word you just said was that internal juxtaposition as opposed to mm-hmm. broadcasting it externally to everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm hearing you say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can all, you know, what you're talking about, we can all sniff out a bullshitter when somebody's <laughs> out there and they're they're p- pounding their chest and they're making seven figures and they're and you you it is off-putting. It really is. So what you're saying as well how you propose to to put that value out there is much more digestible. And I think as well, if we're working on ourselves, we're still not pounding our chest in front of other people. If we are more conscious about doing it and introspective. So exactly what you said, exactly. In some of your, actually not some of them, a lot of your, this is something that I struggle with as well. Lisa, Lisa has done a really good job in sort of teaching me to promote myself because I'm really private and I don't normally talk about a lot of things. Honestly, if, if my business wasn't based on social media, I don't know that I would be on social media. But one of the things that Lisa talks and has taught me is sort of that whole idea around imposter syndrome. And you talked about that a few minutes ago. Who am I to sort of that voice inside your head? Who am I to be a, a, a thought leader? Or who am I to be the voice of reason around a particular subject matter? It's funny. We all sort of have that imposter syndrome, don't we? And why? Like, is it, is it something our parents did to us? Is it modern media that's sort of like blasting us with images that are unrealistic and sort of we look at that and we're like, shit, I'm nothing like that. Like, what, what is that combination that we grow up with from day one that we sort of feel like that as an adult? That... The answer to that question has so many layers that I have not even been able to get to a point where I'm like, okay, this is like the direct connection. But to me, I believe that imposter syndrome and the comparison sap, the comparison trap almost are one in the same. And again, when we're talking about mass media or social media and how prevalent it's become in our daily lives, People check social media probably 10 to 15 times a day, if not more. And creators such as ourselves, we have to show up on social media to stay relevant, to stay credible, to stay top of mind if it is a a business generator for us. But there is so much noise and we're seeing so many people out there who, again, are leading through the accolades and being like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at all the success. Whereas those who are still kind of maybe stuck in that comparison, they're like, well, I know I have a mission. I know I have value to share, but how am I going to get to this place? Because this person seems like they're 10 steps ahead of me every single time I get one step closer type of thing. And again, I just think it just comes from how much noise and content and comparison that's kind of thrown into our face all the time now with social media. But I always talk about how to kind of break out of the comparison trap, which again, I feel is directly connected to imposter syndrome is when you start to kind of naturally feel these feelings of resentment or that you're so far behind. It's a good indicator for you just to shut the phone off, turn the computer off if you need to get far away from technology. And again, sit with the emotion that comes up and really channel to understand where that comparison may be coming from and why you're feeling it. Do you find you have to work with your clients a lot with this, that you need to kind of help them to brand who they are and get that voice out there? Like how much of what you're doing is, is funneling, funneling them into that conscious creativeness and that awareness? Yeah. The, I guess like the confidence factor of just kind of nurturing the whole process of being like, Hey, here's, 
an incredible piece around this topic that I think you're a good piece for. The nurturing part comes from the minute that the opportunity comes apart until the opportunity is secured. And I feel that, again, leading as a conscious publicist or anybody in a publicity role is we have to kind of be almost the the nurturers for our clients. Because again, when you're talking about emotions or talking about transformations or breakthroughs, there are the the stages that you were at and what you what you had to go through to get to the end goal and just kind of showing up and nurturing them through that process to be like, you are credible and here's why, because I recognize this quality in you. That just kind of, is, I think, is just so ingrained. So it's hard to say exactly if there is a stage in the beginning that I work with them. I just feel that it, it it's in every single step of what we do. I was thinking about something the other day as it relates to our clients. And I haven't written anything about it on social media, but I'm going to. It's kind of funny. We take on other people's social media accounts for them and help them grow their brand. And we help them increase their brand exposure through social media primarily and, and the content that they create. And, and when we do that, we're writing their copy, we're writing their blogs, we're doing all of their content and social media. We almost have to become thespians in a way because we have to take on their personas, right? And it's kind of an interesting, it's kind of an interesting diorama to me because a lot of the different types of personalities that we get are really strong and they really have very opinionated voices on what they want to say and not say. And a lot of times they're things that I wouldn't say on social media, but I sort of have to just bite my tongue and be like, okay, I have to be like her. Or I have to be like him and say those things. Do you run across that in your line of business? I'm assuming you would because you're doing similar things to we. And how do you manage that? How do you sort of remain sane and then put on your bipolar coat and act like them? <laughs> um Help me because I need help. <laughs> I'm losing my sanity. He's heavily medicated yeah. right now. <laughs> well, see, this is why I stepped away from, I mean, PR is heavily integrated into reputation management. Yeah. That's all it is. It's like you have to nurture the, rep uh, the reputation of the clients and the work that you're doing. And if you're on social media and having to deal with the direct comments or the DMs, especially around controversial topics, that's like on you to respond to if you choose to respond bond. Those are just always dicey environments, but it it's on this, the PR side as well, that it's like, well, if we land a piece and we're talking about something, there is a opportunity or there is a chance that there could be some backlash and a statement that was made that can go into the comments of the piece, or it can then transfer over to the, the website or the social media platforms. But I think I'm going off, I'm getting a little steered off on that one, but I think you, let me rephrase that because I yeah. talked about it. How do you maintain your sanity of Ashley Graham and who you are and what you believe in and your conscious thought processes when you have a client that has didactic or opposing viewpoints and you're asked to represent them based upon their brand, their voice, their collective thoughts, et cetera? How do you sort of put on those two different hats and juggle them and, and maintain your sanity? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I guess for me, I am very, I don't want to say picky, but it's like, I am very selective of the clients that I work with because again, their, their overarching story and their message as well as goal as to what they're needing PR and publicity for has to be kind of alignment with my values and the, the responsibility that I want to play as a publicist. So I don't really have a lot of experiences where I'll take on clients to where we really have opposing viewpoints on the collective work that we're doing. But I guess if there is maybe something that in conversations that it's like, oh, well, I'm leaning left on this comment and I'm leaning right on this. It's like I always make it a point that, again, I see through the eyes of me and I see people for who they are without over having to dominate my viewpoints onto other people. And that's just mainly what I lead through is I lead through a listening heart versus always needing to respond or over-validate my point. I love that. That needs to be on a t-shirt. It's fabulous. <laughs> um, 
I'm sure that you, you deal with a lot of expectations from your clients too. When people come to you, they're at a point where they want to really show up. So, so how do you, how do you start and how do you create a buzz for them and do what you do? How do I create buzz for them? Yeah. Yeah. So there's always deliverables that are discussed in the beginning. And that's usually through kind of like the discovery process that I walk through with potential clients. And so I guess, again, coming kind of kind of leading into the PR side is there's always these media verticals that I do work with. And from there, it's not always so much about a number of pitches that we send out or a number of placements. I lean through that. It's like, OK, well, what is the conscious story here? And then how do we filter from the story to figure out exactly where that story makes sense? That's a little bit more of my process. And I make it a point to make that very clear in the beginning that it's like, hey, listen, I am definitely in a results driven position. I have to be generating results. But again, I want the the story and the piece to live through consciousness versus just having a piece show up in every single vertical possible because we want the validation and the results type of thing from the numbers perspective. So that's just kind of my process. That's really interesting because we deal with, with that in a different, in a different level. But as soon as we have a client, we onboard a client, they want to know what their ROI is, you know, when am I going to see a difference? And it's like, well, we've been working for one week. So, you know, <laughs> sit tight. Yeah. I think, um, I think I'm drawn to the word conscious, but one of the things I struggle with is it seems like a lot of people use it now. And it's sort of become a buzzword and a cliche word and all these sorts of things that's dropped all the time without sounding like you're doing a, a marketing pitch to me. What does it really truly mean to you? Like deep core of core to someone to be conscious. What exactly does that mean in your words? Yeah. Uh, conscious to me is again, it's a way that you, that you view things, the way that you internalize, the way that your perceptions operate. And again, we live in a very polarizing society where people want you to be extremely left or they want you to be extremely right and they don't want to find a middle ground. And living through consciousness or just being a conscious person, taking the identity and the business out of the equation that it's like, again, looking through eyes of acceptance and kind of seeing people and seeing environments and seeing the world for kind of what it is in certain moments. That is what consciousness means to me, but then it can go into the business side of things too, that again, maybe you're leading through conscious impact versus just, I want to build an empire because I feel that that's what I've been embedded to believe I've needed to do, or I need to be successful by taking, taking, taking from others without giving probably losing, <laughs> like going off or veering off track again. But again, again, consciousness is just kind of leading through intentionality at the end of the day and whatever facet, whatever environment that you're in. You talked about that polarization. It's really, really heavy right now. But I always wonder, is that a necessary evil in order for people to find the balance in between? Because you're, you're sort of forced to see both sides. For me, consciousness is being able to see the veil of what both sides represent and finding the balance in between that works best for you so that you're not having any malice towards the other and still able to grow and evolve. So it's almost like that. I'm sorry, I'm going a little weird here, but it's almost like that polarization, whether it's politics, whether it's international conflicts, any opinions, whatever it is, religion, it's almost like it's a necessary evil, no pun intended, for it to exist so that people can sort of figure out how to navigate through that muck, right? Mm -hmm. I think when you're talking as well, and this is just my two cents worth, when you're talking about being very intentional about who you're partnering with and then being conscious about what you're doing with them, then you're not going to run into those, you know, here's the, the shiny toy here. And now here's another shiny toy where your, your path with them is just winding and you're not making the same sort of traction, I would think, because you are a lot more intentional about it. You have a, a scope of what you want to do and a target of how to get there. Absolutely. And you're not, you're not wishy-washy about who you are from day to day because one thing is, is more important or more popular or whatever the, on that day. And then it flips the other day. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, I have like so many things that just naturally came up with the way that you were expressing that. But tying it back into the law of attraction, again, I feel that consciousness from the business perspective, but then also a way of living is really truly understanding the energetic connection to what you put out, you receive. And if I was going to just speak from my client's perspective is they have studied the law of attraction. They understand the law of attraction and they know that whatever efforts, whatever triumphs we make, whatever steps forward we make is going to pay off. It's just a matter of when. And sometimes we do have to give and we have to test and we have to explore until we find something that works to where then the results and whatever it is that you're trying to manifest comes into creation. And I know that that always sounds like extremely woo <laughs> to those who maybe are not like familiar with kind of the energetic connection of the law of attraction, but it really is embedded in everything from business to our way of living, our relationships. And again, I always make it a point to really kind of have those what might be a little woo conversations in the beginning, because I know exactly like our our minds, hearts, and souls are very connected because we just have an understanding of the ebbs and flows of kind of what life and creation is. I love that. I think it cuts through all the noise, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Because you said even at the beginning, there's so much noise bombarding us all the time and having that thought process puts you on a clearer path, cuts through it all. Yep. So journaling, daily habits. What are some of your daily life hacks that you use yourself on a daily basis that you would recommend to other people? Whether Tell they're... me about these card pulls too. These what? <laughs> yeah. So I, um, the card pulls, I am really big into tarot and Oracle and affirmation cards. Again, it's just another, another tool essentially. And you can either look at it from the extreme woo or the spiritual side, or again, you can use it as a modality to kind of get out of the ego self when you're feeling stuck. And so again, I have a number of different astrology cards, tarot cards, Oracle cards that I just kind of use for my personal like exploration and my personal creativity, just to again, get out of my head when I am feeling like a little bit more in my ego to get back to my heart and my place of kind of connection and centeredness. Um, but I guess some other things that I think are revolutionary from self-discovery and just kind of learning more about yourself. And I wish I did this a little bit more in the beginning, but when I was starting my business, I literally still felt like I was tied to the desk, which was very much corporate mentality, very much corporate energy and connection to where I lived through the narrative that in order to be a successful entrepreneur or business owner, I have to work the nine to five Monday through Friday. I cannot give myself a break. And in reality, in order for an entrepreneur or a creator to really thrive in their gift is they have to give them give themselves a break. So when I feel like I'm naturally falling into that hustle or that grind mentality, that's a good indicator for me to, again, leave my office. I do work from home and I'll usually go and take a ride to the beach and just walk and spend some time in nature, which I did not do a lot in the beginning. So that's another thing that I guess what you would say is a daily habit or a weekly habit. Sometimes I can't always do that in the middle of the day, but Again, when you feel that you're in the hustle mode or the hustle culture, it's a good indicator for you just to kind of pause and step back and come back to it later. It's crazy what that what happens when you get outside in nature. I'd spent three or four hours yesterday in the woods just walking through aimlessly. Actually, got lost. But you get <laughs> I'm not back. surprised. Yeah, I know. You get back. I started looking at my clock or my watch on my phone. I was like, shit, it's gonna get dark in like thirty minutes. I should probably find my way out of the forest here. But you get back in the car and you sort of have – it's hard to describe. It's like everything was just sort of washed away when you spend time out there. I was run, running through the woods barefoot, so it was even like even a deeper connection. It's, it's an interesting Sasquatch thing. sightings. <laughs> yeah, really. I didn't see a single human yesterday in the woods until I got back to the parking lot. It was just – it was really odd. There's not a lot of people who spend time outdoor anymore, it seems like. There's like no. – Talk about polarization. There's two different groups there, right? But it's a reset. But it's a reset that we don't, when you're talking about the, the hustle culture and when you're an entrepreneur, you always have this mindset as well that I'm just going to do this and this and then I'll be caught up. 
and to get out of that and realize you're never caught up. It's always going to be there and it's fine. You'll get to it. Money will always come in, all of that. But sometimes we don't give ourselves that privilege, do we? No. Well, we get stuck up in the idea that we have to get everything done because it's our business. And if we can't do it, nobody else will. Right. And so you just sort of figure I've got to just keep working until I get it done. Yeah. But there, there is again, this narrative that I still feel believe that I believe still lives in the media. And again, this is why I'm very cognitive, cognizant of the stories that I put out in the media that people are going to read or receive essentially. And you even hear this from some top motivational speakers that they're like, put in the work, do the work, first five to 10 years, hustle, grind, make your money, and then you can take a break. That narrative is still so prevalent in everything that we hear on podcasts, on some social media live streams, whatever it is that you do to receive information. That's an over narrative that, again, we all influence people and these, again, high profile individuals who are putting that narrative out there. It's just going to continue to live in the mindset and the consciousness of others that they have to hustle, grind, basically break themselves in the beginning to have high return at the end. And again, I'm just going to tie that back that that's conscious media to me is like, no, you do not have to lose yourself completely. You do not need to detriment your mental health or your physical health or your spiritual health. To have a thriving business, there can be a balance in every single stage from day one until the day that you decide to embark on another journey. I love that. Like, when does the insight really come to us? When does those creative ideas, when do they flow? It's not when I'm going through my, you know, list of many things to do and like pounding through it. It would, it would have been on your three hour walk yesterday. I think my takeaway from that is there is no one way for everybody. That balance is different for you as it is for Lisa, as it is for me, right? Because you can't you can't be a buffoon and sit on the sofa with your hands in your pants for eight hours a day and expect success either, right? Like you sort of have to find what works for you. You do have to put in work. There has to be dedication, commitment, personal responsibility. But finding that that balance of all of that is sort of what's key. And that balance is different for everyone, isn't it? Yep. I've loved this discussion. So some of the, what's, what's your take on failure, Ashley? Failure is inevitable. (laughs) And I did not really have that view, say three, four or five years ago. I have always been a person where my pride gets the best out of me sometimes, but Again, if you're a creator, if you're an entrepreneur, if even you're an employee and you want to start like a side project, like you are going to fail and failure has always been seen as a negative. You hear the word failure, you see the word failure and automatically an imprint as a negative word. But failure really is a part of the process because it is a direct reflection to potentially what isn't working and how you can do things better. And another, I guess, word as far as like the transformation part of failure is pivoting. I'm sure we've all pivoted five or six times, all of us on this conversation. But again, like if failure didn't happen, we wouldn't know how to pivot and we would probably still be in broken cycles from business or creativity or whatever, you know, the situation may be. But failure is inevitable and I think it should be meet with acceptance versus always shutting it down as I do not want to fail. I refuse to fail. Mm-hmm. Well, going to back to what you were just saying a minute ago about that burnout, where there are some entrepreneurs that are teaching us that we just have to literally work, you know, 16 hour days. And then, you know, Gary Vee's a big fan. I love, I love a lot of Gary Vee's content, but he's like, you know, work your nine to five, then come home and work your six to six to midnight type of thing. And it's like, how long can someone sustain that? But I, when you were saying that, the first thing that I kept popping into my mind is, is growing up with my father, everything was based on competition. And that's sort of a Western world ideology. It's like, you always have to be the best. You always have to be better than everyone else. And that whole idea of like, you can't fail. Failure is the worst. It's like, if you fail, like there's, there is no in, there's no other side of that. So it's an interesting thing. And, and we have, we, we, we have a couple of, I have a couple of friends who are, are uh, Asian Indian. And it's funny to sit there and have a conversation with them. And I play soccer with one of them. And even his even his viewpoint on the soccer field 
it's not ba- it's not like an American would view it. It's like competition. You're out there to have fun, but it, he doesn't really care if he wins or loses. And I really mean that. He's just like, I'm just here to have come out and have fun. And we're all out there like, kill him, win, yeah. So it's interesting to have that conversation. What failure actually means to different people. Mm-hmm. So before we shut down our podcast. I'm a newbie. I just discovered you came to your website. I'm interested in having your services, but I haven't really launched my business. Do you have a threshold for how you take on a new client? Do you have to be in business for a certain amount of number of years, or is it more of an intuition thing? You have that interview with them and you kind of come up with what makes sense for you. Yeah, I definitely lead more through intuition based. And it's like, I can kind of tell if somebody is in a position both financially, but then also their digital footprint on when they're ready to kind of take that to another level to start getting that recognition to start really be identifying for who they want to be sought out as whether that's a speaker an author a podcaster a creator doesn't matter again necessarily title the title it is the story and what they want to receive through getting public recognition Mm -hmm. so again i just lead through intentionality and just kind of intuition on here's how I can be of support for you. And I I will usually tell somebody, I'm like, I don't think we're there yet. But if we wanted to do a consulting session, just to kind of hash some ideas to kind of get you maybe a little bit further than where you are to get again on the the PR path, then that that is always something that I can explore with them as well. Lee, we're going to ask something. No, I was just listening. And I'm thinking, how many clients do we have that would fit into that? Sorry. <laughs> Going down a different you, rabbit hole. You mentioned a few seconds ago about a pivot and being able to sort of be self-aware that you might need to make a pivot. You're you're in the middle, am I allowed to say this? You're in the middle of sort of a pivot of your own. And yeah. you're, you're modifying your brand a little bit. Why are you doing that? And want to talk a little bit about what your new brand is. Yeah. So I feel and who do you need who's who are you gonna consult with to blow up your new brand? <laughs> There's like three parts to that. And again, like those who have been following me for a while, I swear they're like, Oh, you're rebranding again, you're rebranding again. But it's like I don't think that the evolution part of branding of business ever really stops and you should always be kind of taking it up another level. But I am going to be going through another rebrand, which is a little bit more intentional from the thought leadership PR side. Your Brandisto was definitely heavy on the branding, getting your core brand story right to get to a place of PR. Whereas I really want to show up and help like the visionaries, the thought leaders who really want to start making, I don't want to say extreme, but very strong statements on who they want to be known for and why they want to be known for it. And so that's kind of what the pivot and the rebrand is kind of, again, it's living through more of that image and the energy of who I'm ready to start working with. You're leveling up basically. Yeah. And I'm really excited. This will probably be ready to go by the time the podcast is up, but I am stepping into PR VIP days, which is something that I've never really explored in the past. And I feel that I've always been, an educator and I needed to step into the the role and the image of being kind of a leader and telling other people that they can kind of start doing the work themselves and start getting the recognition they deserve. And so the PR VIP days are going to kind of be that intensive done in a day program where I work with the thought leaders on every single part of crafting their story to then start pitching to again, kind of lead through what they want to be known for and actually start getting the results for it. That's that. exciting. That's exciting. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, so part of what this new adventure is for you and this new venture is, is that you're going to help individuals that are in alignment with what, what and who you are and help them niche down, focus down on the things that they're really passionate about and really add the most value to not only their lives, but collectively, right? Mm-hmm. And then help them expose that personal version of whatever that is, that brand to a larger audience. That's sort of what the new venture is. Absolutely. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah. I think there's, I, I think there's a lot of crossover in what you're doing with our clients. So I'm glad that we've connected on this level. Likewise. All right. Any last questions, Lisa? Any last thoughts? No, you've given us a lot to think about. And you said what, four to five weeks you're launching this new division, this new opportunity. 
Uh, well, we're, we're, we're holding you to it. We'll be like reaching out. Are you done yet? Yeah. Is it up? Well, <laughs> you know, my stuff always has to come secondary than you know, my yeah. clients. And so again, it's just whenever I'm able to dedicate the time to kind of further along in that process. But 2022, I've got some pretty significant goals and some paths that I want to step into. So I'm kind of giving myself the urgency of January 2022, having some very important information flushed out. Yeah, we'll be contacting you then. Okay. For your we'll accountability. You yes. Oh, I need accountability. <laughs> What's the? It, I, I'm actually getting ready to launch my our first ever mastermind. So keep you in the loop on that. Yes. What's the importance of setting a goal? Why is it critical for people to set goals? Well, I think there is that accountability factor that it's like no one else is really going to hold you accountable or even be able to hold you, you accountable if you don't hold yourself accountable. And so, again, there's that accountability factor. But I also think that when we're talking about the who am I statement, like when you set goals, it's something for you to reflect on that it's like, OK, well, what are all the steps that I need to do to get to this end goal and still live through that? If I'm asking myself, who am I? And this goal and this thought or this path comes up, it's usually kind of an indicator that you're meant to explore that or else it probably wouldn't have come to you in the first place. So hmm. that, that's just kind of what goals are to me. Accountability, hmm. but then also is a, a good indicator that it ends up becoming a goal for a reason. Mm -hmm. I like that. Maybe your word should be exploring for the year. Ooh. Are you talking Explore to me? Yeah. Exploration like that. I came up with the word last night. I haven't shared it with you yet. Okay. Well, we'll share later. Actually, Lisa and I and our team, we ask everyone every year to come up with a word of the year that, that sort of is going to just going to just you, the cornerstone of who they are and, and what they really want to focus on or achieve. Do you have a word of the year for next year that we can put you on the spot and get out of you? So I can oh. because we're going to use it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess the, the first word that really comes to mind is ascension, if that even makes any sense. But again, it's like con like always consciously rising within myself to continue to go and expand. And expansion to me is kind of talking about redundancy or the buzzword. That's just kind of what expansion always is with me, that it's a buzzword. Whereas ascension is it's you're expanding mentally, emotionally, physically, but it's so much more connected. I don't know. I think that's my word, but I might change it. I do that often. Yeah. <laughs> I, keep, I keep waffling back and forth with a few. It's interesting you said that. There's a, a book that I'm really diving into right now. It's by Florence Goville Shin. Have you heard of her? Mm-mm. So Your she was sound, Devo, for one second. Your sound is off right now. How about now? It's just more echoey. Sorry. I don't know what keeps going on with my mind. Every time I'm on this side, is that better now? Yep. Yes. So I'm reading this book, and, I, and it's actually a trilogy. Florence Scoville Shin, and she was the sort of the inspiration for Napoleon Hill's writings, just but because she was a woman, nobody took note. But um, she passed away, and one of her friends or family members went to her house and found thousands and thousands and thousands of journals that had been written over like her lifetime. And was like some of the most infinite wisdom of the universe was in these books. You would love them. It's really fantastic. But one of the things that I'm in the chapter right now is this whole idea of karma and sort of the misrepresentation on the Western world of what karma means. But she specifically talks about money being the currency and the vibration of the universe, because that's sort of how our world operates. And a lot of times me specifically growing up, I was always taught that money was evil. My dad was, didn't have any money. So instead of like not being a loser, he made money out to be evil and, and like the tempest and you don't need money. And he didn't need money because he didn't have any money. So he just sort of used that. And I never really understood that ideology before. So, but one of the things that really struck me this morning in, in the chapter I'm reading is this whole idea of the universe operating on the law of, of return and equivalence. In order for you to make money, you actually can't hoard the money that you have. You have to spend money. You have to give money. You have to constantly be giving back, which is what karma is, because you get back what you give, right? And mm -hmm. so uh, it, it's it's an um, interesting lesson, but it's funny to hear her talk about it versus like 
even a female writing it is different than how a male writes that whole concept. I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah. Well, one, that sounds like a book that I would pick up immediately. That's like so on path with the, just the conscious materials that I read on a daily basis. And I'll you a screenshot of it so you know what it is. Yeah. But the fact that you even just brought up the, the money narrative, oh my gosh, that could be a whole episode on itself because we have a tendency to take on beliefs from our parents on our relationship with money. And similar to you, I was always raised around there's not enough money. We mm -hmm. can't afford that. Mm -hmm. It's too expensive to where I really, I, I'll never forget the minute that I actually heard my mother's voice coming out of me when I mentioned something that I can't afford that or I don't have enough money. It was one of the most like revolutionary thoughts that I had that it was like, oh my gosh, this is my indicator and my trigger that I do not want to say that in that tone with so much conviction anymore. And again, I think that that's just um, and always an ebbs and flow process to kind of heal through that money journey and our relationship with money, especially from the way that we view it. But cool. Again, that's like a whole other conversation for a podcast. I, I had one of those epitomes as well. My 12 year old said something to me the other day and I, I, I literally did like, a, what did you say? <laughs> Because it was sort of like something that I would have heard from my parents as well. And I was like, shit, have I been teaching her that lesson? And it was centered around buying stuff. She's like, well, we probably can't afford it anyway or blah, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds exactly like my dad would say. So I've been really and Lisa's always encouraging me this to sort of like spend some money on myself. Like you have on to me. No, 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 no. I said on me. Spend some money on me. It's an interesting conversation and it's something that I never learned before. So it, it's, um, it's worth exploring, but anyway, I'll send you a screenshot of the book. I digress. Okay. So, um, any closing thoughts, Lee? No, I think we've got a lot to explore here and it's been in such a positive way without the stress or the anxiety that everything else, when we're out there listening to things, these are the things you need to do and you're going to make $7 million, but you have to do this, this, and this, and it's being shouted from rooftops and you have like this calming anxiety free way of consciously putting your own story and your voice out there. And I love that. Oh, great. <laughs> you are very calm. Okay. Well, this is Ashley Graham. She is now rebranding herself as the conscious publicist. There's going to be more information forthcoming on that, but Ashley, I appreciate it. You can find her right now on Instagram at your brandista. That's on the screen. I think no, or you can put her website in, which is the old school way of finding people, yourbrandista.com. Ashley, I appreciate the conversation today. Thank you for your Thank time. you so much. Thank you both. This was amazing. We'll be following up in January with you. I'm good. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Have a good day. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the Mind Body Business Podcast. Have you ever considered your superpower? If you had one gift to leave with humanity, what would that be? We believe that everyone possesses a superpower. This is your value proposition, your je ne sais quoi to help make a tangible difference in the world. Each week, our show explores these superpowers with tantalizing thought seeds germinating only from the power of collective thought. We invite you to join us for one hour each week and listen in as we dispense superpower knowledge from great people doing greater things.